This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Welcome to Amazing Grace for another week. I pray you will be blessed by our program today. My name is Warren, and uh, I pray that as we share together, uh, that you will be blessed. Now, we have two free giveaways. Um, The two giveaways that we have is the book Steps to Christ. Um, We also have the book Desire of Ages, both of them are wonderful books about the life, uh, are about Jesus. The Desire of Ages is about his life here on earth, uh, really taken from the four Gospels, and the book Steps to Christ is just talking about the ways that we can grow closer and uh, into a more meaningful and deeper relationship with Jesus. Now, I'm going to be reading from both of those books, but we are giving them away, and uh, if you would like one for your own, and look, I read them a lot. I read Steps to Christ at least once a year and The Desire of Ages. I read it every couple of years. And I just find that even though it's a big book, um, it has some very important spiritual aspects to it that uh, I have been very blessed as I have read the Bible and uh, match it up and just see the spiritual things that, that, that jump out um, for me. All right, friends, um, we're just going to let you know how you can contact us. Um, you can contact us in a number of ways. Our first way is by email, um, and the email address is triple nine amazing grace at gmail.com. That's nine 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 amazing grace, and amazing grace has only one G at gmail.com. You could call or text us on 027. 027- Two two nine six six two four. That's O two seven two two nine six six two four. And you can also uh, contact the station, and that they have passed and do pass on um, your requests. All right. Let's just before we go any further today, um, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share with the people in the Manawatu and surrounding areas, and pray, Lord, for your blessing upon them today. We pray that you would use me, our Lord, to speak to them, that your voice would be heard by them, and uh, we just pray for your presence. We pray for your uh, guidance and, and blessing, giving thanks to you, Lord, praying this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, um, it's the holiday season. Um, it's interesting that uh, the word holiday, isn't it? It's, uh, it's spelt, well, it's actually, it's spelt holy day, isn't it? And there's a reason for the reason that it's actually spelt holy day. 
is because all the holidays in New Zealand and in many Christian nations used to be all days, whether it be Easter, uh, whether it be Christmas or any other days, um, the word holiday comes from actually comes from the word holy day. And if you actually look at holiday, it actually probably should be pronounced holy day. Um, and I'm not going to go into um, that today. But you know, some people have asked me why don't I why don't I focus on on um, Christmas? Well, the, the focus of Christmas is Christ, and uh, I'd like to think that every time that we present that Christ actually is the center of what I'm presenting. And so today that's going to be the case. Lord, save us. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Matthew 8.26 The essence of Jesus' teaching was self-surrender. Until he has given up on himself, no one understands how obedience and victory can be spontaneous. Really two important subjects. Perhaps that's one of the reasons why we can have so much trouble with the question of whether obedience is natural or deliberate. The person who insists on deliberate obedience, on forcing himself to obey, is the one who hasn't surrendered himself yet. But the one who has given up on himself and realizes that he can't do it is the one who begins to experience natural and spontaneous obedience. And if self-surrender was the substance of Christ's teachings, then this places obedience by faith rather high on the priority list. When the disciples were sinking out on the sea, they didn't say, God, help us. They said, Lord, save us. A person who looks towards heaven and says, God, I need some help, may be admitting something about his lack of surrender. If you say, if I say to you, I wish you'd come over and help me mow my lawn, and you, being a friendly sort of mood, say, well, yes, I'll, I'll come over. What do you expect? Do you expect me to say, there's the lawn, here's the mower, and I'll be out in the hammock? What do we mean by the word help? We mean we'll do it together. You do part, and I'll do part. In fact, the word help usually indicates that the person to be helped does most of the work, and the one helping just adds a little extra. When a person is going down in the water for the last time, he doesn't say, God, help me. He says, God, save me. What does that mean? It means, God, you're going to have to do it all. Peter, when he was sinking, said, Lord, save me. In Matthew thirteen forty-five and 46, Jesus talked about the pearl of great price. He said that you, that you have to sell everything that you have in order to get the pearl. In Luke fourteen thirty-three, he said that we can't be his disciples unless we have given up everything. It will cost everything we have. And all all through the Gospels, Jesus speaks of the cross, not his cross, but our cross, which is death for us. 
We must die, we must give up on ourselves before we can understand what sanctification and obedience and victory is all about. I guess hopefully you understood uh, what I was talking about then, but really the only way that victory comes is through surrender, which is the opposite to the, to the way of the world. God's spiritual kingdom is the only way to victory is through surrender, is admitting that there is nothing I can do to accomplish obedience. Sure, I may, outward appearance, look obedient. But the thing is that we're not judged just on our outward appearance. We're judged on our thoughts and our motives. And uh, many of us don't have pure motives. And to have all of those things, we can't just ask God to help us because if God helps us, we're still involved in the in the thing, and which means we haven't surrendered because we still want to do part of the work. No, we can't do any of the work. We must surrender and give God all of the work. And when He and when you give God the right to fully work in your life, then He will give you spontaneous obedience. We'll look at this a little later. Um, but we're just going to have a song now. They called him Jesus. He came to love. Heal and forgive. He lived and died. To buy my pardon. An Because he 
You're listening to Amazing Grace here on Manawatu People's Radio. All right, friends, it's health. Uh, it's come time for the health tip of the week, and today we're going to just deal with something really simple. Um, we've talked a lot about dietary fibre. Um, Rex used to talk about whole grains. It's the same thing uh, in, in reality. Um, dietary fibre comes from plant-based product, but you can actually buy um, you can actually buy dietary fibre. Um, in different ways from supermarkets, for example, or from health shops. Uh, if you go to a health shop or you want to go to a supermarket like, uh, I know, Countdown and New World, um, have a number of um, – and just ask ask the staff there. Um, they have a number of multi-fibre fiber, um that deal with there's also one called uh, and Kellogg's have one that's called I think it's called All Brand uh, it's very high in brand, uh, very high on dietary fiber I think it's up around 50% uh, dietary fiber which is very high um, but there are many things that can actually help um, and some of them are, they talk about bowel health um, some of them uh, can be things like orange smooths um, Daily fiber. Um, there are there are so many different ones there. Multi fiber um, and different brands. Um, but to be honest with you, even though today I'm actually um, saying that you can actually add this food to what you eat, um, or you can just make it up into like a a drink or a paste. And some of them are just already drinks anyway. Um, but this is one way of doing it. And I actually have done this before, and it does work quite well. Um, but there's nothing like um, real foods. Um, something that I eat just a few of, um, and it's just as a snack, but it's so healthy. I eat um, dried apricots. Um, I also eat dried figs. And the one that's really good too is uh, prunes. And if you just eat, you just take some of those with you. I take them to work with a little a little bag uh, every day. And just when I'm just feeling a bit munchy, I just I just eat them, and uh, they really are very good for keeping reg- keeping you regular and keeping your body heading in the right direction. And uh, but there are many of these that you can actually buy, which are quite convenient. Like I've said, from health shops and also from supermarkets, which uh, will also do a reasonably good job.
Listening to Amazing Grace here on Manawa Two People's Radio, and we're going to continue to look at the subject of Jesus and surrender, bringing glory to God. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. For the person who has given up on himself. There is the privilege of accepting Christ's righteousness as opposed to self-righteousness. There are two aspects of righteousness of Christ. First, Christ's righteousness for us. And second, the righteousness of Christ in us. There are people who have given up and accepted Christ's righteousness for them who have not given up and accepted Christ's righteousness in them. It is possible to give up on one but not the other. And in that case, you have the most subtle form of holding on to the old problem of salvation by works. Even though I believe the cross and the finished work of Christ is enough to save me, if I haven't given up on trying to change my life, trying to manufacture genuine obedience in my own steam, trying to force myself to victory, then I am still a victim of salvation by works on that level. Accepting of his righteousness on both fronts is a tremendous privilege that we cannot dodge or miss in the great theme of salvation by faith in Christ alone. The object of the Christian life is the reproduction of the character of Christ and his followers, and the Bible says that in many places. The object The object of the Christian life is fruit-bearing for God's glory. Is the object of the Christian's life to reproduce his character so that we can be saved? No. It is so that there can be honor and glory brought to God. In Matthew 5.16, Jesus made it clear that the fruits of righteousness are for glorifying God. John 15.8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. John 17.10, Christ is glorified in us. Our works, our sanctification, our obedience, our victories are not for saving us in heaven. They are for bringing glory to God. But if a person is interested only in getting to heaven and not interested in bringing glory to God, then we might seriously question whether salvation in heaven can be expected by that person. We are told that sanctification is Christ in the life. What is the purpose of having Christ in the life? It is to bring honor and glory to God as others see Christ in us. There is still bigger business than the certainty of our own salvation, and that bigger business is bringing glory to God as we share his love with others. And, you know, it's touching on a subject that is 
you know, very sensitive because, you know, sure, um, a lot of people want to get to heaven um, and, you know, they may think that going to church um, and doing many good things uh, will get them to heaven. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's when Christ dwells in the heart by faith. And that's why in the second half of the program, we're going to look so much at Jesus. We've been looking at Jesus in the first half, but we want to really focus in on Jesus because he is the secret to eternal life. You know, First John 5, I think 11 and 12 make it so clear. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And really, that is the question that it comes down to. Do you have Jesus in your life? Or do you only want Jesus in your life to get to heaven? And look, wanting to get to heaven is is a great thing. But the thing is, if you're getting to heaven, you do everything that you want to get to heaven, and you don't help other people, then it really shows that you're still self-centered and that you don't have the Spirit of Christ in your heart. You don't have the Holy Spirit living in you because if you did have the Holy Spirit, you would want to help others to be saved. And, you know, sometimes you might think this is just playing with words, but it's it's not playing with words. This is so important um, to whether people are right with God or not. And we want everyone who listens to this program to be saved. I mean, I want everyone to be saved. But I want the people that invest some time in this program throughout the year not only to be blessed by it, but to be saved. And so we deal with subjects that are quite challenging at times, um, you know, and Dennis and Lynette do the same thing. And I do. You know, we deal with things that can be quite challenging. Uh, we're doing that not to attack people, but to help them. And I, I pray that as we continue to look at these subjects about Jesus, that you will realize that salvation is in the person, is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ needs to be dwelling in your life, in your heart. And, you know, that's something that you can do every day. You can invite him into your heart. Um, because, you know, you might say, well, why do I need to do that? Because it's a choice. Do you want Jesus to live in your heart for this day? You know, you may have asked him yesterday, but you need to ask him again. And it's not semantic. It's not just words. You see, if you don't have the desire to ask him into your heart, maybe there's a reason that you don't want to ask him into your heart. Maybe you enjoy sin. Maybe you want to do things that, that you know that Jesus wouldn't be happy about. But remember that you can do nothing in of yourself it's not, it's not Jesus coming and helping you. It's Jesus coming in and doing the work and you surrendering to him and letting him do the work. Um, that's the only way it can happen. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Welcome back to Amazing Grace here on Manawatu People's Radio. 
All right, friends, we want to read um, from the book Steps to Jesus or Steps to Christ. Um, I'm reading actually from the book Steps to Jesus. Um, Both books are exactly the same. It's just that Steps to Jesus is written, um, written in more modern English, and it's perhaps just a fraction easier for some people to understand. But then there are some people that like the the old King James language um, because it's poetic. But I'm trying to make it as simple as I can for for those um, who don't fully understand and comprehend the the King James version. So um, here we read from the book Steps to Jesus, and we're going to continue and pick up where we we left last week. Our heavenly Father is a God of love and mercy, but we must not think that He will save us if we turn from His grace. The cross of Jesus shows how terrible sin is. When people say that God is so kind that he will not cast off the sinner, they should look at the cross. Only through Christ's sacrifice can we be saved. Without the sacrifice, we could not escape from the power of sin. Without it, we could not share heaven with the angels. Without it, we could not have spiritual life. To save us, Christ took our guilt on himself and suffered in our place. The love, suffering, and death of the Son of God shows us how terrible sin is. They also tell us that the only way to escape from sin is to come to Christ. Our only hope for life in heaven is to give ourselves to the Saviour. Sinners sometimes excuse themselves by saying of people who claim to be Christians, I'm as good as they are. They do not act any better than I do. They love pleasure as much as I do. They love to please themselves. In this way, sinners make the faults of others an excuse for not doing their own duty. But the sins and weaknesses of others do not excuse anyone. For the Lord has not asked us to take sinful people as a pattern. The spotless Son of God has been given as our example. Those who complain about the wrongdoing of others should themselves show a better way of living. If they know how a Christian should act, is it not their sin much greater? They know what is right and yet they refuse to do it. We must not delay turning from sin and come to Jesus. We must seek for a pure heart through him. Thousands and thousands of people have made the mistake of waiting, and it has cost them eternal life. Life on earth is short and not at all certain. We do not think often enough about the terrible danger of delaying to yield to the voice of God's Holy Spirit. Delaying to obey God is really choosing to live in sin, and even small sins are dangerous. The sins that we do not overcome will overcome us and destroy us. Adam and Eve let themselves believe that eating a forbidden fruit was so small a matter that it could not cause the terrible results that God had said it would come. But this small matter was disobeying God's unchangeable holy law. Disobedience separated the human family from God and let sorrow and death come into the world. Century after century, a never-ending sad cry has gone up from the earth. 
The whole world is suffering because man obeyed God, man disobeyed God. Heaven itself has felt the effects. Christ had to die on Calvary because man broke the divine law. Let us never think of sin as a small thing. Every sin, every turning away from the grace of God hardens our hearts. It leads us to make wrong choices. It keeps us from understanding God's love. Sin makes us less willing to obey, less able to yield to God's Holy Spirit. Many people know that they are doing wrong, but they do not change their ways. They believe they can change whenever they choose. They think they can turn from God again and again and still hear the call of mercy. They follow Satan, but they plan to turn quickly to God if something terrible happens to them. But this is not easy to do. Sin changes a person's desires and habits. After sin has moulded the character, few people want to be like Jesus. Even one wrong thing in the character or one sinful desire that we will not give up will finally stop the gospel's power from changing us. Every time we give in to Satan, we turn more from God. A person who finally will not listen to or obey God's word is but reaping the result of his own choices. In the Bible we read Solomon's most wise but terrible warning about playing around with evil. He wrote, The sins of the wicked are a trap. They get caught in the net of their own sin. Christ is ready to set us free from sin, but he does not force us to stop sinning and choose his way. If we do not desire to be free, if we will not accept his grace, what more can he do? We will destroy ourselves by turning away from his love. Paul wrote, listen, this is the hour to receive God's favor. Today is the day to be saved. If you hear God's voice today, do not be stubborn. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 and Hebrews 3, 7 and 8. God said that people look on the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. 1 Samuel sixteen seven, And our hearts with all their joys and sorrows is much that is impure and dishonest. But God knows our desires. He knows what we want to do. We must go to him all stained with sin and open ourselves to his all-seeing eyes. We should say, as David did, Examine me, O God, and know my mind. Test me and discover my thoughts. Find out if there's any evil in me and guide me in the everlasting way. Psalms 139, 23 and 24. Many of us accept God with our minds, but our hearts are not changed. We should pray, create a pure heart in me, O God, and put a new and loyal spirit in me. Psalms 51.10 We must be honest with ourselves. We must be as sincere in this as if our very lives were in danger. It is a matter to be settled between us and God and settled forever. Hope without action will not save us. We should study God's word and pray. His word teaches us about the law of God. It tells us about the life of Christ and how to be holy. Try to live a holy life because no one will see the Lord without it.
God's word makes us feel how terrible sin is, and it shows us how to be saved. We must listen to it and obey it, for it is God speaking to us. As we see how terrible sin is, we see ourselves as we really are. But we must not lose hope and become discouraged. Christ came to save sinners. We do not need to try to get God to be our friend and love us. He already loves us and is making all human beings his friends through Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.19 God is drawing the hearts of his sinful children to himself with his gentle love. He is much more patient with our faults and mistakes than our earthly parents. He wants to save all his children. He gently and kindly invites a sinner to come to him and the wander, wanderer to return. All God's promises, all his warnings, tell us of his eternal love. At times, Satan comes to us and tells us that we are great sinners, but when he comes, we must look to our Redeemer and talk of his power and his goodness, and as we look to him, he will help us. We will tell Satan that we know that we have sinned, but Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We may be saved by his perfect love. Jesus asked Simon about two people who owed money. One owed his master a small sum of money, and the other owed a very large sum. The master forgave them both. Christ asked Simon, which man would love his master most? Simon said, well, I suppose it would be the one who who was forgiven most. We have been great sinners, but Christ died so that we could be forgiven. His priceless sacrifice is worth enough to pay for our sins. Those who are forgiven most will love him most. They will be closest to him in heaven, and they will praise him for his great love and infinite sacrifice. When we fully understand the love of God, we most clearly see how terrible sin is. When we see how far he has reached down to touch us and save us, our hearts are made tender. When we understand something of Christ's sacrifice, then we are truly sorry for our sins and our hearts are full of love for him. And that's the subject and the chapter on repentance. You know, not too many preachers or pastors talk too much about repentance. If you watch the prosperity gospel preachers, you'll never hear about repentance much. might gloss over it, but you'll never really hear about repentance. But it is very important. Every day they pass me by I can see it in their eyes Empty people filled with care Headed who knows where On they go through private pain 
listening to Amazing Grace here on Manawatu People's Radio. All right, in the last segment today, we want to look at this book about the life of Jesus. And there was a time when Jesus' disciples were arguing about who was the greatest. And that's the chapter that we're going to look at uh, today. Who is the greatest? Um, 
not a very good spiritual question to be asking, should be asking, because the Bible talks about um, those that humble themselves before the Lord, the Lord will lift them up. But those that lift themselves up, the Lord will humble. Um, so it's not look, it's not in God's kingdom, it's not good, well, it's not good. We don't want to be lifted up. We take whatever position we are given. When we think of, of, of Lucifer, who became Satan, he was given the highest position. He wasn't even happy with the highest position. He wanted to be equal with God. And that's the spirit. Anyone who wants to be higher than where they already are is the spirit of Satan, the spirit of the enemy. And that's where that seed comes from. Anyway, so let's get on with reading this uh, story. And uh, it was not enough for the disciples of Jesus to be instructed as to the nature of his kingdom. What they needed was a change of heart that would bring them into harmony with its principles. Calling a little child to him, Jesus set him in the midst of them, and then tenderly folding the little one in his arms, he said, Except you be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. The simplicity, the self-forgetfulness, and the confiding love of a little child are the attributes that heaven values. These are the characteristics of real greatness. Again, Jesus explained to the disciples that his kingdom is not characterized by earthly dignity and display. At the feet of Jesus, all these distinctions are forgotten. The rich and the poor, the learned and the ignorant, meet together with no thought of caste or worldly preeminence. All meet as blood-brought souls alike dependent upon one who has redeemed them to God. The sincere contrite soul is precious in the sight of God. He places his own signet upon men, not by their rank, not by their wealth, not by their intellect or greatness, but by their oneness with Christ. The Lord of glory is satisfied with those who are meek and lowly in heart. Thou hast also given me, said David, the shield of thy salvation, and thy gentleness as an element in the human character hath made me great. Psalms 18, verse 35. Whoever, whosoever shall receive one of these little children in my name, said Jesus, receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me, receiveth not me, me but him that sent me. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. But to this man will I look even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. The Saviour's words awakened in the disciples a feeling of self-distrust. No one had been specifically pointed out in the reply, but John was led to question whether in one case his action had been right. With the spirit of the child, he laid the matter before Jesus. Master, he said, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and followed not us, and we forbade him, because he followeth not us. 
James and John had thought that in checking this man that they had in the view their Lord's honour. They began to see that they were jealous for their own. They acknowledged their error and accepted the reproof of Jesus. Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. None who showed themselves in any way friendly to Christ were to be repulsed. There were many who had been deeply moved by the character and the, and the work of Christ and whose hearts were opening to him in faith, and the disciples who could not read motives must be careful not to discourage these souls. When Jesus was no longer personally among them and the work was left in their hands, they must not indulge a narrow, exclusive spirit, but manifest the same far-reaching sympathy which they had seen in their master. The fact that one does not in all things conform to our personal ideas or opinions will not justify us in forbidding them to labor for God. Christ is a great teacher. We are not to judge or to command, but in humility to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn of him. Every soul whom God has made willing is a channel through which Christ will reveal his pardoning love. How careful we should be lest we discourage one of God's light bearers and thus intercept the rays that would have shone to this world. Harshness or coldness shown by disciple towards one whom Christ was drawing, such as the act that John, in forbidding one to work miracles in Christ's name, might result in turning the feet into the path of the enemy and causing the, the loss of a soul. Rather than one to do this, Jesus said, it is better that for him that a millstone were hanged round his neck and he was cast into the sea. And he added, If thy hand causes thee to stumble, cut it off. It is good for thee to go into life maimed rather than having two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire. And if thy foot causes thee to stumble, cut it off. It is good for thee to enter into life halt rather than having two feet to be cast into hell. Mark nine forty three forty five. Why this earnest language that one none can be stronger, because the Son of Man came to save souls that which was lost. Shall his disciples show less regard for the souls of their fellow men than the majesty of heaven has shown? Every soul has cost an infinite price, and how terrible is the sin of turning away one soul away from Christ, so that for him the Saviour's love and humiliation and agony shall have been in vain. Why well, unto the world because of the occasions of stumbling? For it must be needs to be the, that the occasions come. Matthew 18 verse 7. The world, inspired by Satan, will surely oppose the followers of Christ and seek to destroy their faith. But woe to him who has taken Christ's name and yet is found doing this work. Our Lord is put to shame by those who claim to serve him but misrepresent his character and multitudes are deceived and led into false paths.
Any habit or practice that would lead into sin and bring dishonor upon God would be better put away, whatever the sacrifice. That which dishonors God's cannot benefit the soul. The blessing of heaven cannot attend any man in violating the eternal principles of right. And one sin cherished is sufficient to work the degradation of the character and to mislead others. If the foot or the hand would be cut off, or even the eye would be plucked out to save the body from death, how much more earnest should we be to put away the sin that bringeth death to the soul? In the ritual service, salt was added to every sacrifice. This, like the offering of incense, signified that the only that only the righteousness of Christ could make the service acceptable to God. Referring to this practice, Jesus said, Every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Have salt in yourselves, and have peace with one another. All who would present themselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, must receive the saving salt, the righteousness of our Saviour. Then they become the salt of the earth, restraining evil among men as salt preserves from corruption. But if the salt has lost its savour, if there is only a profession of godliness without the love of Christ, there is no power for good. The life can be exerting no saving influence upon the world. Your energy and efficiency in the upbuilding of my kingdom, Jesus says, depends on your receiving my spirit. You must be partakers of my grace in order to be a saver of life unto life. Then there will be no rivalry, no self-seeking, no desire for the highest place. You will have that love which seeketh not her own, but another's wealth. Let the repenting sinner fix his eyes upon the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, and by beholding he has become changed." His fear is turned to joy, his doubts to hope, gratitude springs up. The stony heart is broken, a tide of love sweeps into the soul. Christ is in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. When we see Jesus, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, working to save the lost, slighted, scorned, derided, driven from city to city until his mission was accomplished, when we behold him in Gethsemane, sweating great drops of blood and on the cross dying in agony, when we see this, self will no longer clamour to be recognised. Looking unto Jesus, we shall be ashamed of our coldness, our lethargy, our self-seeking. And we're going to have to finish there, friends. Um, we've actually gone way over time and I didn't realise it. Um, Let's just finish with prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for all that you do, and we just pray uh, for those who uh, are listening. We pray, Lord, for your blessing upon them. We give thanks to you, Lord, um, praying this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So from all of us at Amazing Grace, we pray that you will grow in grace. May the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.
If you enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.